1: This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a series of messages called Proverbs, A Beautiful Life, on the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible that is full of wisdom, poetry, beauty, and instructs us on what the beautiful life is and how we can live it. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. The Bible is an extraordinary book. It's immensely varied in its composition. Sometimes... If we are newer Christians or if we're not that familiar with the Bible, we can think that it is a list of policies or procedures, the Bible, as if the Bible were the tax code, creating a specific list of regulations. The U.S. tax code, I've been told, along with the IRS regulations, span thousands of pages, much longer than the Bible. And we imagine, we can imagine, if we're not all that familiar with how varied the Bible is, that the Bible itself is just a rules and procedures sort of manual, and as we work through it, we just get to know the procedures a little bit better, and we can, I guess, file our taxes in accordance with it. Sometimes we think that maybe it's not a rule of procedures, but but like a rule book itself, as if it were the NFL rule book breaking down exactly how we're supposed to live or operate or precisely what the rules are that govern every possible situation that we might encounter in our life. The NFL rule book itself is 245 pages. It says that there are only 18 rules to football, but each one of them has sub-rules and subsections and sub-articles making up, at the end, 245 pages. That's a lot of pages to explain 18 rules. We can think that the Bible is the same sort of thing. Rule upon rule, regulation upon regulation. And if we study it, if we get to know it, we'll know exactly how we're supposed to live at each moment of our life. But when you take a look at the Bible, there are some sections of rule and procedure, specifically in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, much of which govern the Old Testament in a theocratic state in the Old Covenant. There are ten commandments, but the Bible doesn't go into 245 pages explaining those ten commandments. It just gives us the ten commandments. Rather, much of the Bible is like the library. We go into it, and we realize that there's an immense amount of goodness to discover there. There's some stories, many of them action-packed and remarkable from Genesis to Exodus to Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, not to mention the four gospels which share with us the extraordinary reality of the life and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Some are prophecy, like the major and minor prophets that make up the end of the Old Testament. Some are letters to beloved friends in various churches. And as you read the New Testament letters, like First and Second Timothy, like Titus, Colossians, Ephesians, First and Second Corinthians, you might be struck at the amount of time that is devoted. To personal expressions of love and care between Paul and those that he's writing to. A good percentage of the Bible is poetry, 150 Psalms, often with breathtaking beauty and artistry. Song of Solomon is love poetry. There's apocalyptic literature talking about the end of all things, and then you have whole sections of the de- Bible devoted to wisdom Ecclesiastes, Job, and Proverbs. Today, we begin working through this amazing book, Proverbs. And as we begin, it's important for us to understand what God wants for us in the book of Proverbs. What God wants for us is to, one, know the world as it truly is. Two, live with the grain of the world as God has made it. Sort of swim with the current as God has made it. Or to put it, you know, maybe the most simply, just live in a way that goes with And not against God's plan for life. Proverbs tells us the world as it really is. And then invites us to live along the current of God's world as he's made it. And then three, as we do that, we experience the beauty of life as God has intended it. So Proverbs is inviting us to know, to see, to understand the world as it really is, to live along with the flow of life as God has intended, and to experience the beauty of life as God has made it to be. And that process of knowing the world as it really is, and living in agreement with that reality is called wisdom. And so what Proverbs wants for us, what God wants for us in the book of Proverbs is to become wise, Now, let's start by talking a little bit about what wisdom is and what it is not. At the outset, it's important for us to realize that wisdom is not law. The book of Proverbs is not a list of commandments, although, wisdom often assumes commands. Let me give you some examples. I'm going to give to you a couple of sections of Proverbs that you might know or might not know. The first one is, is maybe one of the most famous Proverbs that is found in the book. You can turn there with me if you'd like. Otherwise, it's just one verse, so I'll read it. It's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. You might know this, and, and I'm just going to read it and explain how this is not law. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this. Train up, in a, ch- train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. All right, that's a brief proverb. This is not a command that you must train up a child in the way he or she should go. There are those sorts of commands that exist within the Bible, and that stands behind this this proverb, the statement of wisdom, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 is a great example. Let me read that for us. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Or in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 is an example. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so there are commands about training your children, teaching your children, discipling your children. But what Proverbs 22, verse 6 is doing is not giving us another command. It is telling us about the reality of the world, that if parents do train up their children in accordance with God's will, that child will tend to become an adult who prizes what's good. And therefore, it invites us to know what's true, to understand the world as God has created it to be, and then to live in line with the flow of that reality. Proverbs says, I'm not going to give you a command. I'm just going to tell you that those parents that train up their children tend to have children that don't depart from that teaching. Consider, too, Proverbs chapter 5. And here I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 5. It's a warning against adultery. Let me read to you a a good section of this. 5, 1 through 6, and then 15 to 23. My son... Be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. And then jump with me to verse 15. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. He's held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for a lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he's led astray. So Proverbs chapter 5 is simply telling us what's true. It's letting us know that the way of adultery is one that may seem alluring, but it leads only to death. And that this is the way that the Lord has created the world. And that if we decide that we are going to live in opposition to it, it's not just foolish, and it is, but it's a path and a way that leads to death. And this is why Proverbs is so important, because what the Lord sets before us is wisdom and foolishness. And the wise will lead and live a life that leads towards thriving and beauty and glory and joy. But the foolish will find themselves experiencing death. Death of relationships, death within family, and maybe actual physical death. And eventually that's the case too. Chapter five here isn't really a command to say, hey, uh, this is the command. I mean, there already is the command, the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. This is saying, hey, here's what happens if you disregard what God has given to you. You're buying for yourself death and destruction. And conversely, This proverb, this section of Proverbs, invites you into what's truly beautiful, being captivated by your own spouse, taking genuine pleasure in the figure of your wife or your husband, being overwhelmed by how much you enjoy being with them in every sense. And here's the challenge for us. The Bible doesn't control our lives with a set of restrictions or rules that govern every possible situation that you might experience from day to day. It doesn't give to you a command that governs every conceivable action that might happen in your life. Instead, your responsibility, if you are a Christian, is to be wise and to understand the way that the world works and to live in accordance with it and to notice that God gives commands not because he is some sort of capricious being that just wants to say you need to do these sorts of things so that you might do it. He doesn't give commands because he's annoyed by your behavior and so he just adds more rules. No, he gives commands because to know them and to live in line with them is wise and leads to thriving and health and goodness. It also means that you and I have to do the hard work of understanding what the scripture says, understanding who God is, and then applying it to different situations. You and I have to know who God is and know what his word says so that when we encounter a situation where there's not a specific command, we know how it is that we're called to live as Christians. Like, when should I speak and when should I be silent? When should I spank my child and when should I simply have a conversation? Which friends should I prioritize? Which relationships and connections (coughs) should I really invest in? How is it that I should use my money? How much do I give to church or Christian causes? Over 10%. How much do I invest? How much do I use for enjoyment? How, do I, how much do I give sort of personally to other people, family members or dear friends, in a way to be personally generous? How do I divide all those sorts of things? Well, it takes wisdom. The Bible doesn't tell you exactly. It, it's based on wisdom. And it's your responsibility as a Christian to become wise and to live in line with God's nature and the way that he's designed the world to swim with the current.
2: You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering 7 Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com.
1: And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Proverbs, A Beautiful Life. On the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible that is full of wisdom, poetry, beauty, and instructs us on what the beautiful life is and how we can live it. To so relate it to the two sections of Proverbs that we've just read. Knowing that training up a child is a way to bring them into faithful adulthood, what does that mean for how you structure your life? How will you discipline? How will you engage in catechesis or discipleship? How is it that you'll spend time in family worship or devotion? How do you structure your life? What will your vacations look like? How do you prioritize church? What should instruction look like inside the home? Proverbs gives you the principle... To grow in wisdom and to recognize that if you do the work of training up your child, it tends to be that they will continue in that way. Growing in wisdom will help you know how you take that principle and apply it as you live your life specifically. Or Proverbs 5, adultery is a way to death. So knowing that, knowing the wisdom that we're given in Proverbs chapter 5, well, how do you walk on the path of life? What attitudes about your husband or your wife do you need to keep in check because you realize that they're destructive and they'll tear down? How can you begin speaking positively about your spouse in each situation that you find yourselves in? What are the practices that you need to put in place? What are the dates and time together that need to be put into your own schedule so that you can continue to be intoxicated with each other, to use the language of Proverbs chapter 5? How will you prioritize physical intimacy? What software might you need to put on your computer? What books do you need to stop reading or start reading? Because the way that you have been living has been creating dissatisfaction with your husband or your wife. Wisdom doesn't tell you all of those things that you need to do, but you, you become wise. And since there's not a specific law about what has to happen in each of those situations, you need to take the principle, become wise, so that you know how it's supposed to work out in your own life. So wisdom is not law. It's also not a guarantee. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 is not a guarantee that if you invest a certain number of hours in religious instruction for your children, that they will own that when they grow old. It isn't a promise that if you send them to Christian school or if you homeschool, or if you send them to public school and review the curriculum with them to instill a Christian worldview each day after school that you are guaranteed to raise up a Christian son or daughter as they grow up into adulthood. You aren't promised that if you're faithful in family worship or devotion, consistent in discipline, perpetual in catechesis, that you're guaranteed a well-adjusted Christian son or daughter. It's not a promise or a guarantee that this will be the case. It is a general pattern. It isn't saying that if you sufficiently keep your eye away from other people, you'll always have a fulfilling life of intimacy and romance with your husband or wife. That if you put in practice the right sorts of date nights or times away, that you will always have exactly the sort of life that you might have hoped for with your spouse. Instead, it's laying out for us wisdom, healthy patterns of behavior. Proverbs then lay out for us general principles that, while not guarantees, they lead us to live with the flow of God's word and therefore experience the beauty of it. The word that's translated Proverbs here in other parts of scripture is sometimes translated skill. So Proverbs, so wisdom, is skill for life. And so knowing and hearing all of this, you and I should desire to become wise. You and I should want to become wise more than we want almost anything else except for Jesus, who is himself a personification of wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 to 24 says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so if you want wisdom... And you and I should. I have some good news for you. Today we begin a study on a book that will train us to be wise. And Proverbs chapter 1 verse 1 starts us on that path. It's a book written by Solomon. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 1 is the title of the book. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. The first verse, the title of the book, the Proverbs of Solomon is something in itself that should give us hope. We're told that this is a master class from the greatest master of them all in wisdom, the man who was blessed with more wisdom than any other king, save the Lord Jesus. The king who who had the Lord God appear to him in a dream and, and, and was offered riches and long life and instead asked for wisdom and God blessed him with it. The man who was so wise that people would come from far, far away, They would make pilgrimages just so they could meet him and experience some of the wisdom that he would offer in his court. The king who is blessed with divine wisdom comes and says, I'm Solomon, son of David, and this is my masterclass. Since the Lord Jesus never wrote a book, there's no author in history that I would rather learn wisdom from, the guy who is known across the globe for it. I want to learn from him. And so right away at the very beginning, there is hope for us. These are proverbs from the wisest person you could possibly learn wisdom from. So buckle up. This is a class you're going to want to take. And then, and then we're given the purpose of this book. And if you hope to become wise, then the statement of purpose in this book should cheer you as well. To know wisdom and in instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. This book is to make you wise, to instruct you and give you words of insight, to make you wise with a godly wisdom, one that fills your life in every part with a way that is righteous, that's committed to justice, that pursues equity. It's something that makes you shrewd. That's what the prudence part is all about. This is something that can make you a shrewd person, aware in all of your dealings so that you might act and operate in a way that's the highest and best use of that particular situation. The words of this book are potent enough because they're the words of God himself that they can make even a simple person become shrewd. It's for everyone. It's for the simple it's for the wise. It's for the young. And it's for the old. And if you make it through this masterclass, and if you've paid attention, and if God has done his work in us by the Holy Spirit, we will grow in understanding. We will become wise. So, how does it all start? How does it all start? Well, the final verse of this opening section of the book tells us the first step. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That verse lays it out for us. It offers us the first step in this journey towards becoming wise. And it lays out for us that there are two possible paths. One is the path of the fool. If you are the sort of person who despises wisdom and despises instruction, this book and you will not get along well together. If you find that you like to do things your own way and you don't like it when somebody tells you what it is that the, the way of the Lord is, you will find that, that this book is not one that you enjoy. It's fools that despise wisdom and instruction. And here, this book of Proverbs is a book that is full of wisdom and instruction. I just have to tell you today, I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be me. I recognize how foolish I can be from time to time, how uh, there, there are definitely occasions where I hear words that, you know, in my heart of heart, I realize are good, but I don't want it at that particular moment. I despise it at a moment. And so if you're ever there, Me too, dear brother, dear sister. We've all been there together. Each one of us, it's important to recognize in those moments where we're despising the Lord's instruction or his wisdom, that we are being fools. I say that with a heart full of love. And as God is a God of love, laying that out for you this morning, it's important for us to recognize that if and when we find ourselves really bristling against the words of Proverbs, it's not God who's wrong, it's us demonstrating our own foolishness. And as God illuminates that, it's actually this gracious action so that we can come back to him and be made wise in accordance with the way that he has given his world, made his world to be. But if you do hope to be wise, here's the first step. The fear of the Lord. That's the first step to becoming wise. It's the first step to knowing. It's the first step to seeing the world as it really is. The first step to understanding Fearing God. Now, what does that mean? Now, in the Bible, there are positive examples and negative examples of fearing God, of the fear of the Lord. Here's what the fear of the Lord is not. The fear of the Lord is not the kind of fear that Adam and Eve experienced in the garden. They heard the Lord walking in the cool of the day after they had sinned, after they had eaten of the tree that the Lord had told them not to eat of. They were afraid of God, and they ran from him, and they hid from him. That's not the kind of fear of the Lord that's being described here. The kind of fear that has to do with punishment. 1 John tells us that perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. And so the kind of fear of God that's being described here is not this this guilt-ridden terror to be in the presence of God and a desire to flee from him. That's not the kind of fear of God that leads to wisdom. Now it's a trembling but a trembling of a different sort because God's blessings because his mercies because his goodness because his righteousness because his joy is so much more than we imagined or could have expected we tremble at the reality of all of it it's this reverent glorious joy-filled fear that leads us to run towards God rather than away from him